Hey everybody, welcome to Swedenborg and Life Live. Today we're going to be looking at Neanderthals and the breathing of the ancients. Neanderthals, right? I know some people say talls, but let's keep it thals, let's keep it real here. Yeah. My name is Curtis Childs, and I'm your host. With me as always, Dr. Jonathan Rose. Hey everybody. He has done many things, including being the series editor of the New Such Tradition. Thanks so much for hanging out. Yeah, that's great. And to all of you, thank you for coming. Uh, if you have been watching our show for a while and haven't already, please like and subscribe. It helps us immensely on YouTube. If you, this is your first time, don't like and subscribe. It's too dangerous. You don't know the consequences of it. Just wait <laughs> a couple times and this will give you a, a chance to bolt. That's right. And this show should send you packing, if any show would send you packing, because it's called Neanderthals and the Breathing of the Ancients. And we are going to be following up from the show we did last week, which was Your Spiritual Body. Mm. And in that show, we talked all about, you know, your spiritual body and the complex of different spiritual things we have going on. Yeah, layers and all that. It was cool. I, I think it was kind of cool. And we touched just a little on the physical body. And you'd think we wouldn't need too much in a show about spiritual bodies. But for this conversation, we're coming back around to the physical body. Ah, earthly bodies, human we, bodies. Yes, because in the world of Swedenborg, he talks a lot about spiritual stuff, but he also happens to mention that perhaps human bodies haven't always functioned in the way that they function now. Such a wild idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And worth sticking around for. Hmm. To get us warmed up to wade into a conversation like that, we're going to start doing our traditional icebreaker game, which is where we answer a question and you all answer it, and we see whose answer is the best. Okay, <laughs> let's take a look. Okay, if you're in the chat in the YouTube, we really want you to respond. We'd love to hear your input on this at the end of the show. We will prove to you that we want to hear it because we got all, we'll have your answers all across the screen. You ready for the question? Mm, yes. None of us have seen this question more than a few times. Here it is. <laughs> what are good ways to take care of the health of your spirit or spiritual oh, body? Oh, your spiritual body. Good ways to take care of the health of your spirit. Because the more that we know mm. about the importance of the spiritual form, uh, th it immediately becomes, well, how do you maintain that form? How do you make sure it's going to be able to do all the spiritual running and jumping and everything else it needs to do? So I'd love for you to start with this one. Sure, I'd be delighted. And um, when I was watching the show... Uh, it really got me thinking about spiritual junk food as opposed to like mm. quality food that I eat, like consuming, sometimes just looking at my newsfeed or something. Yeah. Uh, it, it made me wonder about that. You're talking about like newsfeed on your phone. Yeah, that's right. Newsfeed on the phone that, that just, it's so random and one thing's after another. Oh, and this is about a fashion thing. And then the next thing is something completely different. And it just made me wonder should i be eating something different obviously i have a big diet of swedenborg all the time and everything yeah. which is good and also just the actions that you do you know yeah they really they really matter and and th those actions actually become your your uh, form in the spiritual world that's fascinating well i don't i think that's a little personal that you said that because i've definitely been doing the news feed junk food <laughs> just recently i've definitely i've been thinking to myself why am I, like, I don't need to look up this article. Like, the emotion that's driving this is not high quality. And it's interesting you mentioned, oh, I'm ingesting a lot of Swedenborg, but just like, if I eat my fruits and vegetables and a bunch of MSG and trans fats, <laughs> it doesn't, one doesn't do, negate do the others. Do they cancel out? Yeah. Um, and mm. also, though, was thinking about being, you know, now I'm 33, 
when I was 23, I never had to even think at all about what I ate. Mm. But suddenly now I'm having to say like, oh, that's changing the way I look or that's changing the way I feel. And I wonder, because you have sort of an awareness of the impact on the body spiritually, now that I'm thinking more about, oh, I'm forming the spiritual body, mm. it, it, it wakes me up to, I feel differently about ingesting things now because I know this could be having an impact. Yeah, right. And especially, I think, the just as with physical diet, the repeated things you go to, the thoughts that you go back to, again, negative thoughts about yourself or oh, something, man. you go back to and back to. Yeah. I think those are not good. So a good way to take care of the body is to become aware of those things and then uh, try to carve a different thought yeah. in there. Yes, ne those negative thoughts flying through, just like if I'm behind some big truck and I can smell the exhaust, I'm like, <laughs> I'm hold your breath. It's like, mm, I don't want to breathe these things in. Yeah, I don't want right. to get them in my lungs. That's great. So what, what do you all do for spiritual health? We would love some spiritual health tips, be answering them in. We'll get them at the end. We'll wade through it and see what, what we can get out of it. In the meantime, let's go talk about our um, intense Swedenborg subject at hand. Let's look at the changes in the historical human body. We're just going to come out guns blazing here and say Swedenborg does assert that there have been changes in the, in the human race, what it's like to be a person, how the body works, everything like that. Yeah. And he says right. that, that, so he lays it out, he often talks in terms of churches, which are these sort of spiritual phases of the human race and ways of thinking and feeling about life. He talks about the earliest church. Be, and this not just being a specific religious organization, but this is sort of the conglomerate of spiritual practices the world over. Yeah, right, right. And he talks about how that first church was a heavenly church, which in Swedenborg parlance, I believe, means they were will-driven. So feelings led them to do things, but those feelings were, were charitable or good to the neighbor and non-selfish and all that kind of stuff. Right, is that, that's right. pretty close. And, yeah, yeah. And they were represented by uh, actually a very famous Bible story. Adam and Eve. Ah, yes, that's right. Adam and Eve represent, Swedenborg says, not two individuals who lived way back when, our sort of aboriginal parents, but they actually represent our original state of existence. And then, if you follow the story in Genesis, their descendants sort of go downhill pretty quickly. And Swedenborg yeah. says that represents a state of spiritual decline that I imagine actually unfolded over thousands of years or something. but. But it was a, uh, their descendants represented this decline. And so that decline led us out of that most ancient church into what Swedenborg calls the ancient church. And he says the ancient church was spiritual rather than heavenly, which you might think of spiritual as so great, but it's actually a bit of a step down. Right. It's where no longer can you, like, I don't just walk into a room and say, like, oh, I want to share my cookies with Dr. Jonathan Rose because I think he would like them. <laughs> it's more like, oh, I really want these cookies, but I know I should do this. And... I, if I was him, I, I think it through and realize, okay, it's the right thing to do. Exactly. Just, yeah, and that's good. This was symbolized by Noah hmm. and his descendants. Yeah. So the flood, Noah's, you know, famous for his flood. Yeah. He kind of <laughs> rode that wave, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> and the flood, Swedenborg says, uh, corresponds to massive changes that happened in humanity, in the way that the mind functions even the way that the human body worked. So not a literal flood happening, but... That's right, not just a whole bunch of water. 
but a representation of this thing that happened to us. And we could talk for a whole hour about that. We did actually oh. see our episode, The Meaning of Noah and the Flood, for more about that. To summarize it, according to Swedenborg, there were these major, major changes, not only in the mindset of the human race that when this flood catastrophe happened, but also in how their physical bodies were. And I find that that's impossible to believe. I, do you have any uh, evidence that Swedenborg what made What evidence could there be? I mean, <laughs> when you, I can imagine a mindset changing over time, even in our lifetimes, you, yeah. you see that kind of thing, but not how the physical body. Well, what evidence could there be? Does Swedenborg say anything about this? Let's just put up a random quote. Okay, yeah, <laughs> here we go. The earliest church had enjoyed a perception of goodness and truth, but what the world does not yet know, says Swedenborg, and may have difficulty believing Okay, so put your seatbelt on. Yeah, yeah, because when Swedenborg says that, <laughs> it's, it's really going to get interesting. Is that the people of the earliest church breathed internally. Any external breathing was silent. Like you could hardly tell. He talks about the sort of tacit or silent breathing where there's hardly any exchange of air. And actually the exchange is going on on a deeper level that keeps you alive. It's bizarre. And so not just they had different religious systems, not just that they had a different way of thinking, there was a noticeable physical difference. Yeah, the actual way they breathed was different. Okay, well, hmm. let's, why wouldn't we want to read more at this point? This okay. is, again, from 607. As a result, they also spoke less with words than people afterward did and still do. So they still spoke, but just not as much. They were the opposite of, of you and I. Maybe uh, in a, an analogy, like little children... Mm. You know, who just oh, yeah. uh, have, have a few words that they say, but most of it is different. Right. Instead, like the angels, they spoke in ideas or mental images, which mm. they could communicate by endless changes in facial expression, especially around the lips. This part of the face has countless series of muscle fibers that today cannot work separately, but in those times were independent of each other. Ha! Huh. Almost as if what is now just one sort of solid wall of muscle yeah. used, used to have, you know, all this variation that you could do within it. I think of the difference between a prehensile tail and just a regular tail. I mean, yeah. one can like, uh, what's, you know, like, it's almost like a digit can grab things and do right. things. Using these muscles, they were able to display, signal, and represent their ideas in such a way that what we would now need an hour to express in articulated sounds, a.k.a. words, <laughs> would have taken them a minute. Now, that's crazy to think yeah. not only did they have a different way, but their way was better, it sounds like. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like when, when I come and say, Jonathan, don't you think instead of using this word, you should translate this? And you're like, should I? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> that means don't you know who but I But imagine am. being able to do this whole show with a single facial expression, right? Yeah. You oh, know? man, I'm sure yeah. people, there's somebody watching who's like, couldn't we just do that? Couldn't we cut out 90% <laughs> of these Save words? us all the time. And they conveyed their message to the grasp and real comprehension of those present much more fully and clearly than words or sentences could ever do. Wow. I know language is sort of a trap, but mm. still it's amazing to think of that really efficient language. This may seem impossible, and yet it is true. There are also many others, let's just throw something in here, not from this planet, oh. who spoke and still speak in the same way. I guess it wasn't weird enough that you had to throw that in there. So interesting to think of that he's saying that on other planets they still practice this internal breathing, yeah. but we've gone all external. Is there anything that connects this to experience? I wonder, is there a vestige of this in the way that the faces of little kids are? 
Yeah, right. Thinking of that example of infancy with just the little language, but also yeah. little children make so many amazing faces. In fact, I found if you take a picture of a newborn uh, this hour and then the next hour and then the next hour yeah. and the next hour, they look like four different people. Yes. It changes so rapidly and their faces change so much. It's so true. I, not long before we were doing this episode, I saw a picture of my daughter when she was very, very young and just looks like a totally different person in just that photo. Amazing. And so they maybe yeah. have this, this greater range of facial movement. Let's get back now because we talked about face stuff, but we were talking about breathing and the changes okay, there. So breathing, let's, yeah. let's see where he goes on that. In fact, I've been able to learn about this internal breathing of theirs, what it was like and how it changed over time. Since their respiration was like the respiration of the angels who breathe in a similar way. Oh, look at that. Ah. So he's saying we used to mirror more closely what's going on in heaven. So angels breathe a certain way. I wonder if we, we will ever learn to breathe that way. And then they were able to, it says they had access to the deeper, let's see, where does it go? Oh, yeah. More continuous concepts Sorry. involved in thought and were capable of a kind of perception that could never be described. Hmm. So this really helped them get a better understanding. If its nature were described, even if it were described, okay, so you wrap language around it, which Swedenborg yeah. is constantly trying to do, no one would understand it, and therefore no one would believe it, because in Swedenborg's life and mind, understanding and belief go together. Yeah, so, and it seems like that's a good thing, lesson for us to remember, that we're trying to describe these weird things, and we have pictures of them, but we probably don't get them as they really are. Yeah. We're right. just pointed in that direction. Okay, let's see. Where is he going to go from here on this? This is back to Secrets of Heaven. <clears throat> this internal breathing vanished little by little among their descendants. Hmm. And, those and look at how this physical thing is tied to emotional and mental things. Interesting. And those consumed by horrendous delusions and fantasies, such breathing lost the ability to present any thoughts to them that were not hideously ugly. The effect of this change hmm. was so powerful that the people themselves could no longer survive, and so they were all wiped out. So there was a major problem, you, you might say. Like, that system worked great when people were good and their hearts were good, but when they turned bad, it was really bad, and it actually yeah. extinguished people. Because you have this heavenly mindset that's sort of feeling, we go right from the feelings immediately, but if that well gets poisoned, there's not this sort of rational Ooh, barrier to you your actions. Nowhere else to go with it. So, yeah. the, so we've got some physical changes, and in the next section here, we're going to look at how, according to Swedenborg, those, the breathing, the face, the loss of the face muscles, how that mirrored the changes going on in the mind. Hmm. So the link between speech and conscience and how this, this physical stuff was sort of a correspondence to these major changes that were going on. And if Swedenborg is right about all this, going on in our history. Like this is like your great, 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 This is our ancestor. Yeah, that's right. Grandparents. Have to be, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. So uh, let's see where it goes. And we're going to take Swedenborg's Secrets of Heaven. Sometimes it's cool that 608, we're just going to drill into that number and just read okay. three sections of it and see Great. where he goes. Uh, do All you want right. to take the first one? Sure, sure. I Thank just you. want to make sure it's safe. Okay. As internal <laughs> like taste testing. Yeah, that's right. As internal breathing waned, external breathing, almost of the kind we have today, 
It's okay. interesting there's maybe like a little yeah. different, what would that difference be? Right. Gradually replaced it. With external breathing came verbal speech, hello, the speech of articulated sounds. This was now the vehicle for the individual ideas that make up thought. In the process, the human condition changed radically. Now that is wild, isn't it? You always think of, there, maybe there's people in ancient, ancient Mesopotamia, and they were there, but they were still like sitting there looking like, oh, this path is long, I gotta walk down it. But while there may have been commonalities, was there a whole different side to consciousness back then? Yeah, exactly. People could no longer perceive, after this shift, could no longer perceive things in the way they had before. But as a substitute for perception, began to hear another kind of inner voice that can be called conscience. So there's always a workaround. That God is plugging in new ways that even though you can't do this anymore, I'm going to save you this way. I'm going to give you this escape route. I'm going to give you a new thing. Yeah, you see the love in it. Yeah. And we talked at length about the difference between perception and conscience, which he just mentioned in our show about intuition. Right, which is another way of, you know, what Swedenborg means by perception yeah. we might commonly refer to as intuition. And just so you know a little bit about the show's mindset, like we couldn't call this how to find true perception, even though that's Swedenborg's word, because nobody's looking for perception, but what people are calling intuition is, so, so we right. named it that even though it's about perception, but, that, but it's just a translation, you could have translated it intuition or something. It was my fault. <laughs> You should have given me that look that we talked about. <laughs> All right, so. I'm saving that. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to 608 as it continues. The earliest form of conscience was similar to modern conscience. Conscience, again, being this huge uh, nebulous thing, but it's not too far off from Jiminy Cricket, right? Right, and as you expressed it before, I th thought that was good, where you've been given certain principles, so you have to kind of think about, okay, this is probably rule number three, I should probably do this. Mm. Uh, Great. Right. Although it was more or less a middle ground between perception and the conscience that some people today are familiar with. Again, he's talking about all these successive stages, and because there's so little for us to compare them to, he's just, here's a broad category. Yeah, right. When the ideas that make up thought came to be poured into this type of mold, into spoken words, that is, human beings could no longer receive instruction by way of the inner self, as the earliest people had, but only through the outer self. Wow, so you're talking there about a whole avenue of how you get your information that there used to be an inward way, an inward path, and yeah. your very breathing was inward, yes. and it was pulling things in from heaven more clearly. And now, because people were suffocating, you had to go through the outward route yeah. and get it through your outer self, through your physical senses, I guess, right? Yeah, which is great for YouTube shows about spiritual principle things, because yeah. back in the day, you wouldn't have needed this, That's uh, right. because you would have just, you know, osmosis, it would have gotten But you'd have to be one of the other six people around the fire or something to see that That's right. facial That's expression, right. That's I right. guess. Does Our, the passage continue here? Uh, fortunately slash unfortunately, it does. Wow. The revelations of the earliest church gave way to, man, I wouldn't know what he was going to fill in here. Yeah. Articles of doctrine. Yeah. Interesting. As distinct from whatever the church before was doing. Yeah, right. Which would first be grasped through the physical senses. So something kind of conceptual that you picked up through physical reality. These physical sensations would be shaped into concrete images in the memory and then reshaped into ideas, the components of thought. The ideas would provide an avenue and a framework for instruction. So again, you've got this multi-step yeah. 
process that you have to go through just in order to have a thought or be instructed. And look at him describing the building steps of the mind. They're like, okay, these led oh, into yeah. these, into these. Where, who else is talking about that? That's cool. It's very cool. So it was that the ancient church, which came after the earliest church, that okay. heavenly one you were talking about, had a completely different kind of psyche. And had the Lord not imposed on the human race this new psyche or new approach, no one could ever have been saved. That mm. seems to echo the severity of the earlier statement that because the people that were in the flood started thinking this horrendous way, they all perished. That this is not just a cosmetic or uh, this would be better. This is about the survival mm. of the human race. And it really makes me think that the... We, we think a lot about the Lord coming into the world as, as Jesus and being the Savior, but there was a massive salvation before that. Yeah. You know, there was another huge save the whole human race thing that happened earlier on. And it also hmm. makes you think more about the uh, complexity or, and importance of the way consciousness is structured. You just think, okay, if you're here and you can think and feel whatever. You, know, you could lean this way, lean that way, but it seems to be indicating that just like the body, if the airway is obstructed, it's over. Yeah. Something about the way the mind is, if you're out of a particular pattern, either you've got a breathing tube or, or you just can't function. Or it's over. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's the same kind of spiritual physiology or something. Yeah. yeah. So how's that, everybody? Are you with us so far? Um, and we're going to find out exactly if they are with us or not, because we're going to go to our live Q&A. So if you're in the YouTube chat room, start writing in your questions and we'll try to answer a few of them the best that we can. All right. So let's see what, let's see what damage we can do. Um, everyone, thanks so much <laughs> for your questions. That we haven't already done. <laughs> if, we'll find out, yeah, are there any pockets of things we haven't already done? Okay, first one. Lee Belt asks, pre-Adamic man, were there human beings on earth before Adam? We mentioned earlier in the show that Adam and Eve were a symbol for the earliest church. However, so you'd think that's where it starts, but in there, this thing called the pre-Adamites. Yeah, Swedenborg does mention the pre-Adamites a few times, and I believe he got in some pretty serious trouble with the Catholic Church. Like his works were banned on the basis of the fact that he talked about pre-Adamites. Oh, that's As if to say, you don't really believe in the Bible because you think there were people mm -hmm. before. But he really does see that, um, like that creation story in Genesis, he takes in a very spiritual way, and that actually there were people before that, but this was kind of a new birth of something more human or something that happened that that was called adam and th it, there's so many questions that that brings up for me mm. um for example i was just watching a show about chimpanzees mm. and boy do they look human oh. and boy do they do things that are human-ish and even it was so funny so there's these t it's a netflix show and um it's called left to see or Last Chance to See, which is about people going to visit these endangered species before they oh. potentially disappear from the mm. planet. And there was this two naturalists and this one guy who's a major conservationist kind of guy. He's like, ah, oh, chimpanzees, I just never liked them that much. Like, I was never that interested in them because, you know, they bully each other and they have mm. hierarchy and they trick each other and they, they're too much like us. <laughs> and on the light side of that, the, the way they show that uh, he, he had this encounter with him during the show and now he likes him and everything. But 
it makes me wonder, are they, would they fall under Swedenborg's classification of human? Because he has a description of mm. human that includes beings from other planets. So it's pretty broad category. Yeah. 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 And then if so, could it be that, that are they functioning? Or do they have a spiritual life as well? And then do elephants? And I know that uh, sounds yeah, weird right. because but they, elephants are amazing. Yeah, they're, they're very amazing. And yeah. if we're talking about the human form, he talks about heaven has a human form um, functionally. Like uh, elephants physiologically are very similar to us. Mm. Sure, they've got a trunk and we don't, but heart, liver, lungs, spleen, uh, circulatory system, like they're almost the same. Mm. They're just these little differences. And they like have these little gatherings when one of them dies. Yeah, and they, they do grieve yeah. and stuff. Yeah, right, right. You see evidence of that. So tell me the answer. Really interesting. <laughs> I have no idea. And and uh, I've pondered myself, but you can't, you just can't, can't hold my brain still yeah. to think about it for too long. But uh, were there animals who sort of woke up and realized they were actually human or so, you know, how yes. did it work? How yes. did that transition go? Uh, I don't know. But Swedenborg does does support the idea of people being around. And there's some evidence for it in the Bible only in this sense that you have Adam and Eve and they have two kids and then those kids start marrying people who are in the surrounding community. Yeah. Well, where do they come from? Yeah. You have to have pre-Adamites right. to make the biblical, even on a literal level, to make it work. So, yeah. so is that, can we see the question one more time? I just want to know if we answered it or, or even attempted to. Were there human beings on earth? Yes. Okay, so the, the, the answer, and, and then if you're going to throw into all that uh, the modern science of evolution and that you had to, according to that, you had to have precursors. And so at some point human beings emerged and were they, um, so you have to have something close to us right before us. And I now right. realize, and we're going to touch on this a little bit in our upcoming that's section true. after this. That's right. So yeah, stay that's tuned right. there yeah, as well. Stay tuned. Okay, let's take a look at the next question. Thanks so much. ZZXDKILL2002XZZ2 asterisk asks, can I be spiritual even if I am atheist? So, depends on what our definition of spiritual is, right? And yeah. and what what is what our definition of atheist is too. So, what's mm. spiritual? And this would be Probably not like, you know, we talked about spiritual versus heavenly in the beginning of the show, where that's a very technical Swedenborg yes, understanding. That's right. Most right. likely we're talking about what is spirituality, and there's this whole, like, I'm spiritual but not religious, because religions have done all this harm in the world. So what do we call, I guess what I want to do is what do we call spiritual? Like, what makes a spiritual life? Yeah, and, and uh, this is a weird thing to throw in, but I uh, read a book a while ago by an editor of The Economist called God is Back. And he had the stat, and I don't remember the exact stat, but it was something like um, some 23% or something of self-declared atheists say that they believe in God. Oh, interesting. You know, which okay. even brings into question, well, what was the def, you know, do some people by atheist mean I'm materialist or I think, you know, or, or something like that. Is right. There, you know, what exactly does that mean to, to different people in different circumstances? The thing that Swedenborg keeps focusing on is that it, it's, uh, our, our beliefs are important, but they're not as important as the way that we treat other people. Yeah. If we're a loving person, yeah. you know, that kind of takes precedence over everything else. And I've known people who are atheists who are incredibly moral and careful about people yeah. and wanting to protect the environment and do yeah. all these good things. And, you know, uh, 
you know, so it, are, are you a destructive atheist or a, yeah. or a compassionate giving atheist or something, you know? And to me, somewhere in there would be the difference between spiritual and not spiritual. It reminds me of a, sh a show you and I did a million years ago about Jesus Christ. Mm. And this was when we were in a whole different studio. We were just like in kind of a little room with a table oh, right. and a little bookshelf. And we were talking about the name of Jesus. And can you, like, do you have to know the name of Jesus? And the Swedenborg says the name of Jesus means the quality of Jesus. Right. That, and, the, and what the quality of Jesus is, is love for the whole human race and, and d total wisdom. So where do we actually encounter God? Is it through the concepts and the acknowledgement that there's a person? If, 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 you were, if you were on a feeling level encountering God, and that was what was driving you to make your kind decisions, mm. How much does that matter versus I, Swedenborg does right. seem to stress having a concept of of God, but yep. that not but but that said, let's say that you were uh, exposed to all kinds of heinous concepts of God and you saw all the damage that this has caused because undeniably there's been all kinds of damage. Oh yeah, in the name of God, and it's you know is there a point at which like just here we're talking about workarounds and is there a point at which no you've got to jettison that idea. It's been too, t and that you can be doing that for actually godly reasons. Yeah, meaning you can be led by heaven to do that. And uh, at the same time as Swedenborg says that truth is very important, and he's spending all this ink trying to get people to have certain concepts, nevertheless, he says that if you're living a good life, again, if you're treating people well and stuff like that, the Lord will take whatever your beliefs are as truth. Oh, yeah. You know, yes. he says that sometimes. So it's like, whoa, wait, what, what did you just say? You know? Yeah. Uh, so it matters, but not as much as the way you live your life. Because, uh, you know, even from God's point of view, he's saying, sure, that works. Yeah. You know, I, I'll, I'll take it. So going back, so this is a good, like, I feel like we're, we're getting the concept on a broad scale. If uh, this specific request, we don't, I mean, who are we to say if you can be spiritual? Like, Go, go do things and do them for the right reasons. And the, the reasons that Swedenborg advocates a belief in God, like what, what do you get out of it? So one thing is humility. Right. If I'm, if I'm to say like, okay, make sure you have this in your diet, humility, and that that's one way to distance yourself from your sense of self-importance is to say, well, everything good and true is coming from, yeah. from the divine or some, from something higher, so I want to serve that. That's a crucial component um, there's also uh, that you are, Swedenborg talks about picturing God like a person because in that way there, that, there's relationship building there. Um, but so I'm just wondering, what, what are the other key components of, of thinking of a, of a God? Right, and I'm thinking about um, uh, where people have a view of an afterlife or that there's right. something more than meets right. the eye or there's some energy behind nature, or there's just, there's something, there's some mm. order in the universe, or, you know, it takes so many different forms. Yeah. And to me, all of those, if it's not just what you can sense, Swedenborg's pretty critical of the idea that uh, only what you sense will you view to be real. Yeah. You know, and even there, I don't think it's game over, but. Right. You know. and, and it seems like the hard work, the hard spiritual work, is freeing ourselves from love of dominion, yeah. The, from the desire to be the best and brightest human being, to be the human being that's in control, to be the human being that's praised the most, to being the human being that gets their way, 
to try to push out that. That's the hard, the heavy lifting. What you believe about life, that's easier to, if, if it's inaccurate, it's easier to correct. It seems to be yeah. the gist of it. And Swedenborg says that uh, Divine Providence 101, because I remember it because it's like 101. Okay, I, is, yeah. <laughs> that's literally Divine <laughs> it, Providence 101. Yeah, it literally is Divine Providence 101. That uh, no one, after you die, no one asks you what your beliefs are. That's right. It's just not even on the final. You well, know, it's just what kind of person were you? That's what, that's what it's all about. I remember when and we... And so I think spiritual oh. is about what kind of person you are. Sorry, I cut you out there. Yeah, no, it's all right. Um, it just made me remember, though... Oops, I just shifted the whole desk. Yeah, don't worry. It's it a fundamental down. shift. Um, there's a fundamental shift in the human condition right there. I remember back <laughs> when um, I was running the Facebook Heaven and Hell page, which is Swedenborg Foundation, which is sort of the precursor to off the left eye. Yeah, that's right. Um, or or to, to what now we're doing now. I remember posting that quote from, oh, from Divine Providence as yeah. saying... In, in the other world, which you all enter into after death, no one asks what your beliefs are, but what your life was like. And I was yeah. like, bam, that's, that's like pretty that's like open-minded stuff. Swedenborg yes, is this fascinating combination of um, super open-minded, yet really specific and technical. And quite traditional Christian in some ways. Yes. And totally like, oh no, everybody makes it, you know, whatever yes. kind of thing. So. Yeah, I think that he represents this totally unforeseeable way in which the two can coexist yeah. happily. Right. Anyway, so right. hopefully we haven't chased you away. And we pr so appreciate you sharing <laughs> where you are. And yeah, yeah the, be, be good and do things. The most important thing is why are we doing what we're doing? If right. we're doing what we're doing because we think it's the right thing to do, that it's a, the lo most loving thing to do. There's a code in there, right? There's... That is a code. That's yeah. a law that you're living by. Right. That's what, I, that's what we think anyway, or I think, and maybe Jonathan thinks that as well. Okay, let's see if we have any more questions. Aaron B. asks, can people that passed on see us or watch us? I recently lost a best friend. Is he still around? So really sorry to hear that, Aaron, that your, your friend is so recently departed. Yeah. And I know that this is the, like the, probably the most, one of the most potent messages Swedenborg has is about... The, that the, these losses that come in and rock our life are not the, even though they're never going to not be painful, they're not the permanent losses they seem to be. And that the people that we've lost haven't dissipated or evaporated or been t separated into some unreachable dimension, that they're part of a spiritual world that is very connected still to ours. But we do get this question from time to time of how, what is the, that link like I'm dying. To, it's a terrible pun, but yeah. I'm dying to find out. The uh, it is very hard. Uh, the way physical death just like cuts you off from people that you love. It's a, and yeah. it really makes you doubt. Like, is there? Are they still there? You know, what what's going on? That's a very very hard. I've, I've been through that, and that's a hard experience. Um, uh, it depends on what we are like. As far as we are, our bodies, I'm not sure most of the time. There's all kinds of different levels of consciousness, as we're talking about in this show. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't think under most circumstances they can see our body. Swedenborg says that, you know, we talked in the last show about the physical body. That's the level of the flesh, and then you have a level of the spirit and higher levels right. that go up from there. But... Uh, our spirits are our minds, right. and Swedenborg says that they can tell what you're thinking and what you're feeling, especially if you're thinking about them. I think they're very present with that. Mm -hmm. You know, it may have even sort of caused that thought in your mind or something. So 
I, I, it's not the same as sort of see you like now I'm in the kitchen, now I'm walking back into the living room. You know, mm. I don't know if they're on that level, but I think they can see that you're troubled about this or you're grief stricken about the, you know, the loss or, or whatever. Yeah. No, that's a great way to put it. I really like that. And it does seem like there's this mix of different levels of the overtness of the connection that Swedenborg describes. Like in Swedenborg's case, you, you have spirits that can be even see through his eyes at times. See through his eyes because of his connection. Yeah. They can actually see right through. That's right. But he seems that's unusual. I don't yeah. think it's unheard of, but it's, yeah. He seems to indicate that that's not how it is for everyone. However, I think that things have changed since his day. Well, true. We had this, the, that's according... That's what the whole project is, right? Yeah, yeah, right. His own admission, there was this last judgment that changed the way the spiritual world works. So who knows where we end up now, but I would think that... I, I just want to leave it with what you said, that they know your thoughts and feelings, mm. and that that's, that is knowing us. I think about... I do feel like I've had... In dreams, uh, a visit. Aha, uh -huh, nice. Right. And, I, and isn't yeah, me too. Just little tiny ones. That's right. Little isn't that visits. sort of a, a deeper level of like I'm not? It's not like you're at the grocery store and now I'm at the grocery store. But some apart from time and space, I'm in this dream space and, and we're here and we're talking about what's important to us and what matters and what lasts and that's what's real and that's what's going to reconnect when we see each other again. Yeah, that's right. So thanks for being willing to share uh, about your loss. And again, uh, uh, yeah. hope you hope you got a good support network because no amount of knowing spiritual stuff is ever going to take away that pain. No, that's a real loss. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do one more question and then we'll, we'll move on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Will Linden asks, if heaven has the shape of a man, has the grand man evolved? Oh, very topical. Awesome. So just in case somebody's not familiar with the concept, of heaven having the shape of a man. Swedenborg talks about heaven as a human being, and he talks about the function of all the, the different parts of the human body. And like the liver is a purifying and something else, and the lungs are bringing in, and the heart pumps everything out. So just like all those systems work together, there are angels in heaven analogous to the heart, who instead of pumping blood, push a kind of love out into the, into the ecosystem. And then just like there are our eyes and visual cortex see here, there are angels who are astute at gathering knowledge. How, is this a good, pretty good summary? Yeah, I like so, it. So um, he talks about um, the organs of both sexes being represented there. It, who knows what, it, and, and that only the Lord can really see it as a person. As a whole, yeah. right. That's right. So. It, yeah, and it does... Um, uh, I've thought about the number of people just from this planet who die. Yeah. Which is just, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but it's a staggering number. Everyone. You know, every <laughs> week. Uh, yeah, actually, it turns out to be 100% <laughs> in the long run. And uh, it, it, like it adds up to millions really quickly. Oh, man. And so you think all these people pouring in, and Swedenborg says that there are people on other planets, who knows, you know, somewhere out there, and they, they die and they're pouring into that other world. So it has to be that that's developing. And in fact, if you think of the human form, okay, here's this kidney function. There may have been some time when it, when it was only performed by 10 yeah. people or something. And now it's 10 trillion people. Like it's getting more and more high resolution uh, in a way as, as more and more people go. So I think it's definitely evolving and getting more because that function can be done better Swedenborg says that explicitly, by more 
spirits because they work together well yeah. and everything it can be done better by more people than just when you only had 10 you oh, know yeah would you rather have two detectives looking for somebody or or 25 you know it's just that's right but also I and they're working together and they coordinate and that yeah yeah right. exactly exactly order of magnitude better I, I love will's question because He's talking about just like we're talking about human bodies That's evolving. Right. I think yes, because if because if we're talking about consciousness changing, that comes from somewhere that we we get our consciousness from God through heaven. That's right. So it must be that these shi we talk about God bringing these shifts of consciousness to save the human race. I bet that was a restructuring of heaven right there. That suddenly the corpus callosum of heaven is doing a different thing that le lets the hemispheres talk in a new way. There's got to be and yeah. There's the, one of the characteristics of the physical world, according to Swedenborg, is that compared to the spiritual world, it is static and stable. So if you have evolution of all this kind going on on Earth, there's no way there's not more going on in heaven. I, I really agree. I think there must be tremendous, and, and it's true, and Swedenborg even describes that whole new levels of heaven will be organized and figured out that weren't there before. I yes. think it's an ex incredibly dynamic uh, world. There wasn't even a, a spiritual heaven a little while ago. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yes. Great question. Awesome question. Thank Thanks, everyone, for all your questions. Um, we thought if we got some good ones today, we would go on a little uh, archaeological trip, and they oh, yeah? were good enough, so I, I we think get we're going to go do on a trip? it. Let's go do a little deeper digging, pun intended, into this whole Neanderthal connection. I think it looks kind of like a horsey. Mm-hmm. Some animal of some kind, and it's in some ancient stone. It's just Foam it's interesting. Oh, hey, everyone, yeah. we didn't see you there. Uh, we're trained archaeologists, and, uh, okay, fine, we're not. But to go and really do the study of ancient history and to learn how things transpired at a time which you can't access mm. anymore, you've got to be able to study clues and follow the facts. That's a quote from a kid's show. So Nice. We got to do the same thing here, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. So what we're going to do is go into some. Actually, we're not even going to be doing our own groundbreaking research here. We're going to kind of pilfer research from other Swedenborgian people. Why not? That we found online because that's just the way things are done these days. Yeah, that's right. Um, so what we're going to do here is go on this little archaeological road trip. There's a couple of Swedenborgians. Yeah, as we said, we found online who have written about this con potential connection between Neanderthals and this ancient body type that Swedenborg is talking oh, about. Oh, I can't wait. So um, mm. one of those scholars is George Gantz, who runs SwedenborgCenterConcord.org, and he did an article that it was worth checking out called On the Curious Life and Fate of the Neanderthal. And in there, he, we're going to summarize his findings, and he also then points within that article to another article from the online science magazine Nautilus. I see. Right. And he was talking in there about that... that those two articles were talking about the fact yeah. that when first findings were made about Neanderthals, we didn't know about them forever, but when they were found, people sort of assumed on the basis of the shapes of their heads yeah. that these were crude, violent, unintelligent, you know, kind of moronic 
people. It, it was an insult. Neanderthal was an yeah. insult. Oh, yeah. It still is, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So for a long time, this is how they were depicted, but more modern archaeological studies are starting to challenge this early assumption. Oh, interesting. For example. Wow. Yeah, now there's a face, you know, that some modern museum displays have a different feeling, a different way of imagining Neanderthals. That face to me has compassion, wisdom, intelligence, yeah. you know, very different than the cave, yeah. uh, you know, the club dragging. Me stick. Yeah. Right. Right. So from the Nautilus uh, article, we're going to read just a little quote here uh, called our ne uh, from an article called Our Neanderthal Complex. So it says, much of our understanding of the Neanderthals has turned out to be wrong. New findings have ushered a transformation of the Neanderthal from a knuckle-dragging savage rightfully defeated in an evolutionary contest to a distant cousin that holds clues to our identity. Where museums used to emphasize their primitive and brutal nature, modern exhibits evoke a feeling of belonging. Mm. And going further in that article, it says that they're finding out Neanderthals may have created complex tools mm. and had an organized use of space in, in settlements. Right, and it says they buried their dead and they had social systems even for support and care yeah. for people who were infirm. And that nat naturally requires having sophisticated societal behavior, which they think they had there, even as a thought that they had a complex inner life and, and the ability to think symbolically and all that sort of thing. You sort of have to have that to be able to say, oh, I think you're sick or you're probably in pain. Right. Right. It takes it takes a lot of, of brain power. And some of this comes down to the skulls. Yeah. Right? So the, the whole reason that initially they were seen as dumb and, and aggressive was because of the difference between a Homo sapien skull and a Neanderthal skull. Yes. And the fascinating thing about this that that we actually have smaller skulls. Yeah. You think it would go the other way or something? Like right. we've got the biggest brains that have ever existed on them? No, they had larger brains, but very different shape. And it's possible that that very thing that led people to think that there was a lack of intelligence in Neanderthals is actually what Swedenborg was describing. Do you want to take us through yeah, that? Yeah, so the, the, this is, and again, this is out there, but there, the specific differences here have direct reflection in the way Swedenborg describes ancient mm. people. So, for example, here we have, in the Neanderthal, we have a lower, flatter forehead with less room for the cerebrum. That's right. In the back here, we have the bulging occipital bone at the back, which is more room for the cerebellum. So, also the lobe associated with the power of speech was small and seemed like it was yeah. not very developed in there. So, you'd think, oh, they don't, they can't think much, they're more reactive, they can't really talk, they're dumb. Yeah, that's right. It's just they're, they're, sort of uh, unconscious system, autonomic nervous system or something that's firing. Right. But what if, instead of a lack of intelligence, those things actually indicated a different type of communication? If you were communicating telepathically, isn't it true that you wouldn't need a very developed speech center in right. your brain? You have a different way of doing it. What or if they had perceptive knowledge instead of intellectual? Or those little face communications we were talking about? Yeah, that's right. So this is a conclusion we didn't come to on our own. We actually lifted it off Edward Sylvia, who's another Swedenborgian blogger. And this is a quote from his article. Swedenborg knew, just as modern neuroscientists do, that the cerebellum is involved with our involuntary operations. Oh, the cerebellum's the back of the head, right? Right, right, yeah. right. I mean, I wouldn't know that offhand, but I think so. <laughs> yes, yes. But he also maintained that the cerebellum was synchronized to spiritual rhythms coming directly from God's influence in heaven. 
In other words, the cerebellum operated in conformity with God's divine order. According to Swedenborg, this allowed these early humans to be educated and taught directly by God from within. Oh, pretty cool. Which we talked about earlier, the heavenly mindset. They enjoyed a profound inner perception of the ontological nature of things. This changed when, over time, early humans began to favor their own self-guidance from a principle of self-love rather than the love of God. The results were disastrous. He goes on, the unique brain physiology of these early ancestors described by Swedenborg was that they were wired in such a way that the cerebellum had full control of the cerebrum and their breathing. Ah, so you're not consciously controlling inhale, exhale. You know, it's done by the cerebellum. Yes. Yeah. When they changed from an innocent state of loving God to preferring a state of loving only themselves, evil and disorder entered into the functioning of their cerebellum. Mm. This state of affairs blocked God's living influence into their cerebellums and threatened their very ability to breathe. Wow. And so this may be partly what Swedenborg's talking about with the quote-unquote flood that's mentioned in, in the Bible and other ancient mythical traditions, yeah. uh, that that flood was actually uh, a, an asphyxiation, if you will, because of the spiritual setup that they had, the way that thoughts and feelings flowed into them. Yes, and so we could, we could, could we be, we've got Swedenborg's account of what happened back then, and then you've got the modern fossil record. Could these two converge? Let's see, let's, really let's read interesting. a little farther. Yeah. To save humankind, God made two major modifications to the human brain. One was to rewire humans so that the cerebrum, frontal cortex, could take more control of the breathing function. And two, gradually enlarge the cerebrum's frontal lobes so that humans could learn about reality through empirical methods, through the five senses, as Swedenborg was saying, mm -hmm. rather than from an immediate perception of God's order. The result of the human race moving from a cerebellum-based brain to a cerebrum-based brain, that's easy for you to say, <laughs> ushered in the Cro-Magnons. Mm. Mm. They possessed a new cognitive quality that necessitated an extant culture. This is how art writing and vocalized speech made its first appearance in human history. While modern anthropology is changing its view of Neanderthals as being lumbering brutes, they still fall way short of grasping the subtle and profound nature of their thought. For that we need Swedenborg. Mm. Swedenborg provides an interesting answer to why Neanderthals had such big brains, bigger than our brains, yet left us with very little evidence of a sophisticated culture. They were not using those brains to make, you know, artworks and, yeah. and, and objects and so on. Because if you live and in, writing and books and so on. If you live in this like lucid spiritual state, that stuff doesn't hold the same potency. Yeah, what, got, what's the charm? You're not yeah. dependent on it. Yeah, that's right. Because you get a direct, oh, I know what that is, you know. So I love the idea of this. And so we obviously thanks to both uh, uh, Edward and George for those, the, the thought and work they put into those. The idea that we've got this thing and this picture doesn't quite make sense. Why would, why isn't there a huge culture when the, the brain is bigger here? And why is it, why are there such different areas of focus? We can't quite figure it out. And is Swedenborg this missing piece that makes it all make sense? Yeah, we don't know for certain, but it's very, very intriguing. I think it fits beautifully yeah. on about four or five different levels, doesn't it? Yeah, and doesn't this tie in a little bit with that, the pre-Adamites question and what's human and what's not human? Right. Were, you know, were these people the first humans and they had this first church 
uh, or spiritual state, and then the major changes Swedenborg is talking about, you may say, like, well, you know, our bodies could never work the way he's describing. Maybe not Homo sapiens, right. but, or Cro-Magnons, or however it right. goes, but these guys could. Yeah. And we, so the torch got passed. Okay, mm. you'll be the people now. Mm. Uh, I don't know. It's all, all very fascinating to ponder. Thanks for pondering it with us, everyone. Let's take our minds back to that very first question of how to take care of the spiritual all bodies. Right. You know, since we're, since we're getting so deep into the, how the spirit and body are interconnected, and let's do our uh, ice melter, see what people had to say. So, something I was going to say, but I forgot to say before I kicked <laughs> it over to this transition, because I may have missed it, was that if you were talking all about cerebrum and or cerebellum and these different parts of the brain, to learn more about the spiritual significance of the cerebellum, check out this episode that we did, which was called The Book of Revelation, Vision of a God-Centered Life. And this, again, is the Swedenborg impact that we're here wading through the, co the correspondential meaning of the Book of Revelation, and yet in there you're learning about this cerebellum and its spiritual nature. Mm. Is it, is the that state of the brain, which was a big focus of Swedenborg's research. And is that, we call this show Swedenborg in Life, because is it that Swedenborg gives us the framework, whether or not it's got all the pieces filled in, for how to understand all of life as a cohesive whole. Mm. So, That's awesome. Anyway, let's, do, uh, let's do our ice melter. How do you take care of your spiritual body? What are the good ways to take care of the health of your spirit or spiritual body? This is what the people had to say. I must not think bad thoughts. Mm, that's a good one. To keep, the, keep your air brain are clean. Watch your thoughts, words, and actions. Nice. Spiritual reading. As Tyrion said, the mind eats books. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I, I do find the more often I do that, the more often I get into the right head space. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Continual sanctification by the word of God, meditation, and prayer. Nicely said. Being, by being thankful for one. And I also say I'm sorry when I sin or offend someone. Mm. And then prayer. Mm. I listen to this show. Yay. Thanks, Matthew Bush. Okay, checks in the mail. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Glad you're getting something good out of it. Find something to love and take care of. Oh, ah. nice. Yeah. Focus on love, knowledge, and gratitude. Praise God, omniscient and sovereign. Mm. Choosing love over ego. Think good thoughts for a healthy spiritual body. Mm. I would just eat an apple. <laughs> there you go. Go for it. Learning to be comfortable with stillness. Be still and know that I am God, as well as finding moments to express gratitude and focus on others' well-being. Yeah. Prayer. Qigong meditation. Listening to Swedenborg videos and reading True Christianity. Nice. Very nice. Deactivating the face butt, which I think is Facebook. <laughs> I have, ha I've had a resurgence <laughs> of creative energy and vivid dreams. Put projects, reading, and creativity in its place. Spiritual junk food is real. I like that. Yeah. Keep calmly pushing away bad thoughts, even if it feels like the hundredth time you've had to do so that day. Mm, that's the Amen. Truth, Don't feel guilty that it seems like they are hanging around. You're being purified. Hey, good. yeah, it's that's just a good rap right there. Well, like it that. is, and if it's if you didn't know that a fever was cooking the invading microbes, yeah. you'd say, "What? I'm a mess right now." Yeah. But meditate. 
Just awareness. I spend most of my time in a brain fog. I guess you could call it Swedenborgian mindfulness. Be, nice. be in, intent. That's it, right. That's right. Fasting. Got yeah. Good. And certainly there's a link between this, the spiritual and the, the physical. As a couple yes, there are. Eat yeah, that's true. Eat healthy, fasting. Spiritual health food, prayer, meditation, devotional reading, walks, playing guitar, positive attitude, watching nature on my back porch. Yeah. Definitely the I nature. I like the music piece yeah. in there too. That's fine. When I go too long without nature, I sort of forget a certain part of life. Yeah, know? that's right. True. Active repentance, mm. pray and meditation. Good one. Repentance, yeah, that's really good. Love, repent, surrender to the Lord, pray, study God's word, keep learning, try to be useful, and help others. Wow, that's fantastic. There you go. You there, could make a book out of that, couldn't you? A coffee yeah. table book? like here's, Totally. Yeah. And you just like, right. yeah, just flip it open whenever you're like, okay, what do I do? And then bam, you go. What do I need? And one of those would jump right out at you. That's good, and that's, that's right. Th and we, thanks everyone for contributing to that. We love the idea of just consolidating people. There's all the, the there's behind all those words <sighs> a lot of life experience. Who decades? A lot of hard work. Yeah, that's right. Decades of spiritual work, and we appreciate mm. getting to, to mm. reap the benefits of that with all of you here. Hey, by now maybe you feel comfortable enough to like and subscribe. We're sorry <laughs> we bother about this all the time, but it does make a big difference to us and our ability to get the show out to people. Yeah, in effect, it really gives us some some free marketing through the algorithms that our, that our shows get promoted and so on. So it's very valuable. Maybe you found Thank us you. through searching for some other YouTube yeah, video. That's true. You did because other people did this stuff. And if you want to go even a step further than this, would you consider being part of the engine that runs us? We're a nonprofit, so you may have noticed this show is totally free. We don't even run ads on these programs because we want to no spiritual junk food in front of hey, the actual right. meal. Wow, well put. So, so to help us keep it that way and to help us expand and do everything better, consider supporting us financially. This is a fun and easy way to do it. You go to Patreon, you can pledge just a little bit a month, and but knowing that you're helping us and we give you a little thank yous in the forms of behind the scenes kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's, right. it's, you know, it's not much, but it's us saying, hey, you're making this happen. You also get the satisfaction of knowing that this is valuable in your life. Now you've pushed it into other people's lives potentially as well. Cool. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Thanks for hanging out, mm. Dr. Jonathan Rose. Yeah, good fun, Curtis. Next week, we are going to dive deep into how do you know if something spiritual is true? Wow. We're sitting here telling you all this spiritual stuff. You do a little YouTube search or a Facebook search. Everyone's telling you how to live and what to do. How, how do you know? How do you know? How do you how suss you that tell? out? How do you like put your um, little thermometer in there or your little like uh -huh. test the, the, uh, the uh, alkalinity or the pH? Or what are the methods by which we can get really precise about the physical world? We can know exactly what's going on with so much stuff. Can we do that for the spiritual world and spiritual principles as well? Stay tuned mm. for one week. And we'll, uh, we'll get it to you then. See ya. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner, with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner. <laughs>